Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Basement Side Chats. I'm your host, Deeg, a.k.a. Greg. I'm here today with my fellow co-host, Matt, a.k.a. Matt Dev, and Taylor, also known as I Have Worse Than Bad Luck. Longest name in video games. You forgot all the hyphens. I thought them. <laughs> thought them real hard. Uh, How are you gents doing tonight? Most excellent. I'm doing just fancy, well, good, great. Did we have good Valentine's Days? We did. Uh, yeah. One of my friends uh, broke up with his long-term girlfriend, so Allison and I took him out. (laughs) 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 Oh, my Valentine's was great because my friends was miserable. It was fun. You know, we drank some wine. The stark contrasts in life. Mm Mm-hmm. So that highlights our topic today. We're here to to talk a little bit about uh, uh, the bliss of indulging in video games with our loved significant others, couples, gaming, Valentine's Day boys. Let's get it on. Who wants to start? Matt, I think you're the guy. Tell me about your experiences, couples gaming. Yeah. Um, So it's interesting. Uh, So I, I guess like it's kind of funny to think about because like, comparing different relationships versus like my current relationship uh i've dated some people who have been like no you should never ever touch a video game when you're around me blah 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 so i even had uh one x because i was really into trials hd did you guys ever play that game before the the bmxing thing yeah it's like a you're on like a motorcycle and you do these courses it's like easily one of the most like frustrating games like it's sort of like your sekiro for me um and you just get mad. And it was to the point where, like, she wouldn't, like, allow me to, like, play it when she was in the house uh, because <laughs> I would get so angry and just, like, break controllers, like, sort of thing. <laughs> um, but then I've had other relationships where, like, they have been, like, very, very avid gamers. Uh, and then my current is more of a casual thing, although she did sort of express interest in um, uh, getting a gaming PC here soon, which is going to be nice. Um one of the things that's funny though about it is that we cannot really play collaborative games because it really like tests the boundaries of our relationship. So like, have you guys <laughs> ever played over? Have you played Overcooked? No, I have not, but I've heard you talk about it before. It basically turns into a blame game the whole time, um, <laughs> about, like what the other person did wrong, you know, all these things. And then, uh, but then like games against each other. So like Mario Kart, very easy game to play with significant other. Those tend to jive pretty well. So. Yeah, Mario Kart has a lot of like catch-up mechanics. The, the infamous mm-hmm. blue shell, right? Mm-hmm. I've, Mario Kart, <clears throat> you know, exactly that reason is why I've tried to get my wife into Mario Kart. But she comes in 12th place on the easiest difficulty and doesn't understand anything that's <laughs> happening. And I she mean, hates I've heard, it. I've heard about her uh, saga with uh, driving a regular car, so I can't imagine she's very good at Mario Kart either. <laughs> Maybe uh, something not driving-related, uh, yeah. Taylor? This podcast is just going to be totally sexist. Yeah, this is is relationship assassination, (laughs) I think. Don't listen to this one, wife. (laughs) But it makes me, yeah, it makes me kind of sad because I have a couple of friends who they like play Smash Brothers and Mario Kart together all the time. And then they want to get online and play against me. And I think it'd be really fun to have like couples competitions. But I can't because my wife isn't good and doesn't want to be. So, yeah, and that's the just... that latter point seems to be the crux is wants to be right. 
um, my experience with couples gaming is entirely with my current relationship. And uh, she got hard into games with me for a while, but up till that point, she thought that games, not only did they not interest her, but she thought they were bad, like bad for society, bad. And especially like bad for me. Well, I don't know if it's to that level, but basically it's just like, it's, it's like a, like, like a moral failing, you know, like you're an adult, don't play video games. Come on now. Um, well, to be fair, when we were, that was like the go-to insult back in our gaming days when we were younger. It was like, oh my God, if I'm still 40 and playing video games, just fucking kill me. And I'll clearly still be 40 playing video games. You guys yeah, are we're not far. 40 as it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like two years older Rip than you, us. man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, grandpa chat. This is really, should, should just be called grandpa's like <laughs> table side. <laughs> Yeah, so there's their attitude of, like, you know, losers play games and gamers are losers. I don't know if that does her attitude justice. Honey, if you're listening to this, please forgive me. But um, we went through a really rough year, essentially, and um, somehow I managed to introduce myself and then her to Guild Wars 2, which is a fantasy MMO, and she looked at it, she's like, oh, wow, it's like Lord of the Rings, and how do I get into that world with you? And I was like, record scratch? what did you say you want to play a video game and of course i ran with it and uh we ended up playing that game pretty much every day for over better part of a year maybe a little more um and she as a result of that i think the main one of the main things she took away from that in addition to just helping get through a really tough year um was she kind of learned what i loved about games which was a really lovely thing so overall it helped your relationship just because it gave her more understanding of what you enjoyed. And so she became less judgmental about it. Yeah, totally. And not just less judgmental, but she started to understand me better. And um, when I would want to make time something gaming related, she was just supportive of it. Like she's supportive of me spending four hours of my night sitting down and talking to people about video games, which is what I'm doing tonight. Uh, Because she understands the value it it has for me and what I'm doing with it. And, um, you know, it's just one of those major misunderstanding blocks that we kind of had that I never knew how we were going to work towards. And at the time before that game came along, I was kind of feeling like, well, maybe I'm just done gaming. This is kind of a weird point in my life. So you guys know me now and you knew me when I played TFC, right? Back 15, 20 years ago. But there was a time in the middle of that where um, after I'd met Brianna, when my life was kind of up in the air, I ended up selling all my shit, including my gaming gear, all my games, all my PC and everything, cashed it in for some clothes and a laptop and a suitcase to go live with her in, in Europe, which I did for a year and a half. And then when I came back from that, I came back to the States and I got a job, but I still like wasn't playing video games at all. And, um, you know, eventually I did, did get, back get back into it. Yeah, What's when did that? you get back into it? When did you get back into it? Um, this would have been early 2015. So I basically... Okay spent three years really not playing games that weren't on my phone even that i was just playing stuff casually and i thought maybe i was done and based on where we were in our relationship that seemed like it made sense i was also during that time we also got married so you know really committed to her um but then that year came along and i had just built a pc which my subconscious had reminded me don't forget a video card greg so (laughs) 
<laughs> so I was Oops, ready. I accidentally found this expensive hobby again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a little bit of that going on. And, I think that's um, kind of common, though. Like the, what you described was like, I think a lot of people actually do take breaks. Like Taylor, did you take a break as well? Um, kind of. I mean, I I started um, college. I started college part one in 2006, which is kind of when everything was finally falling apart in the world of TFC. So there wasn't a whole lot going on there. And then I started college part two in 2009. And that was just so demanding that whenever the quarter was in, there was no way to sit down and play games, really. So, but I would still play games in between the quarters and whatnot. So I never really stopped playing them. But in terms of like online games, no, I didn't do any of those at all. Huh. Yeah, I took a break. So I played pretty after 2007, I switched pretty heavily to console. I went to the dark side for quite a while and I was playing obviously just a normal Xbox 360 at the time and had a PS3 and then I moved to South America and I just sort of stopped for a while Um, and then I got back into it like maybe you know a year or so after I got back and then I stopped again until like 2017 so there was like this big gap of like several gaps along the way I guess but none were really relationship focused they were just more in my own life i guess yeah yeah i don't my wife was never like uh don't play video games or i don't like your video games she did have she did used to bring up an ex that she had who was like sucked into world of warcraft and it was really awful and she hated that Yep. like he would prioritize that over any attention towards her at all but i don't think i ever had that issue at all so it never bothered that much there'll be times every once in a while where i'm playing a game too much and she'll make it clear that she would prefer that i spend some time with her but she's never told me that they're awful and ruining our relationship or anything like that it's interesting yeah. though because i do think certain formats tend to be more conducive to playing with a significant other like playing on a pc right i, I in my opinion is actually like the exact opposite of it right i come into this room and I am hanging with people on the internet playing games, right? But when I'm playing a console game on the couch, it's a bit more of an interactive, yeah, like sort of like her participating, even though like we may not be playing together. It's like like God of War, right? Like follow the story all the way through, etc. So you're more in the room on a console on a couch in front of a TV, as yeah. opposed to what we're doing, all three of us, I'm sure, so sitting at a desk talking to our monitors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is something about, I guess it's just the giant TV that's further away and there's more space between you and what you're doing. The person can sit next to you, so they're physically closer to you than what you're watching. Yep. So I guess you have a child running in front of you as well. Yeah, I was playing, uh, I've been streaming Sekiro whenever I play through Discord and Greg was on one day and I've got my headset on with my wireless mic and Greg says, you know what's interesting is I can hear what's going on in your room and you can't because my son was running around picking up toys and making all sorts of noises and shit, but I can't hear any of it, but it's all crystal clear for Greg. So that yeah. was it's like funny. the old little songs from whatever devices he had going and his little squeals of delight. Lots of little cars. Turn the blue light on. But I mean, I would love to be able to play 
games with my wife, but the only one I found that she'll play is Tetris. And it was great at first because, you know, Tetris is fun. It's a good mental challenge. You got to figure out what you're doing. But she takes it really slow and carefully. But the way Tetris works is the further you get, the more things speed up. Right. And so she doesn't she doesn't like push herself to prepare for those changes when they happen. So basically the way every single game goes is 30 minutes in, she hits level seven, I think, is where everything starts changing. And then everything goes to shit and it just turns into anger and she's mad at the game. Yeah. So I mean, and Tetris is a game where there's no real outcome besides losing, no matter how well you do. Right. So 30, 30 minutes every time guaranteed to lose. And then she's just fucking mad. So then I so can't funny. play that with her anymore either. <laughs> Were you guys playing Tetris 99? No, this was a original NES Tetris on Nintendo mm. on an emulator. I haven't got her to, uh, she tried 99 a few times, but I don't think she likes, again, I mean, you get destroyed. Yeah. yeah, that's a very yeah, you know, high pressure game. Taylor, I noticed something similar to what you're talking about with my own girl when encountering stuff with games that kind of incentivized you to rise to a challenge. Um, you know, I described that I, that my girl and I got into Guild Wars, um, which is an MMO. And one of the things that it's kind of famous for is it marketed itself as, as an anti-MMO, it, which is, you can play it without grinding your ass off. You can be casual playing it. And as a result, much of the game is not actually mechanically challenging to get through which was great for her because I think probably similar to your wife for my girl overcoming a challenge in a video game is not meaningful to her. It's just a frustrating barrier to what could be an enjoyable social or aesthetic experience. You know, that reminds me, uh, I got her into Yoshi's woolly world on Wii U. And I think there's a, that game's designed for kids which just makes me sad because uh, Super Mario World 2 on Super Nintendo is like the greatest game on that system. So, And that's because you play as Yoshi and you got Baby Mario on your back. And they knocked it out of the park, but for the, ever since then, they decided to make it the kids' game. So now it's always a disappointment. But you can pick an easy mode that basically makes it impossible to die. You like float around everywhere. <clears throat> and she was having a great time with it because it's also a co-op. So we played that a couple times. But then also she had a friend who just went through a huge breakup at that time. And so she invited her over. And so I have these two women in my office playroom area who never play video games that are sitting there playing Yoshi's Woolly World with each other. Huh. It was like a fantasy. <laughs> huh. It was cool. Yeah, that's neat. And they, they were playing in, in a mode that had essentially the, the challenge or the 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 punishment taken out of it. Yeah, they were having a great time though, because you can like eat each other. <laughs> Girls <laughs> eat each other. <laughs> but they were just they were falling over laughing the whole time. So they loved it. What Greg, what type of game is Guild Wars really the only game that she's ever played? It's the only game that she's put much time into. Um other stuff that we've played. Actually there is one, I guess, other game that she's actually played on her own, which was a uh, I got her a, mo- a modded Skyrim setup. Oh, nice! And she actually, she's actually gotten further in the main quest in that game than I have. So she she oh, beat wow. it. Uh, I have never beaten the main quest in Skyrim. I'm too. What uh, are your favorite games, and you've never beaten it? 
Yeah, well, I I, ne- I kind of <laughs> never want to, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I don't want the magic to end. So like Breath of the Wild, where you want to see everything and never actually do everything so that it's not over. Yeah, exactly. And part of the problem with Skyrim is that part of that for me is exploring all the mods. And whenever you do a new mod setup, you have to restart. So you lose all your progress. All right. So it's, it's, it's like a built-in, never-ending experience. <laughs> Anyway, she played Skyrim a little bit, but other than, other than that in Guild Wars, um, the only other thing that she's had much resonance with is playing these kinds of slower-paced, super aesthetic side-scrollers on Switch, um, Greece being one of them, uh, which is, uh, uh, I think it won the Games for Impact Award at the, the big video game show that happened at the end of last year, which is a category that I still don't know what it means. You asked us about that recently, and I didn't know what you were talking about because I thought it was pronounced Gris. But yeah, that game looks incredible. I've been wanting it's to buy gorgeous. it and try it out. Yeah, and what'll happen is she'll load it up, and um, if if I'm not around, she'll load it up, and then I'll and then she, and I'll get a message on my phone or a knock on the door, and it'll be like, "Can you help me with this?" And I I kind of jump in and help her solve a problem she's got, um, which you know. <laughs> She's not playing for the challenge, and I've also been playing these games for 25 years. So unless a game is doing something truly novel, there's an extraordinarily high chance that I'm going to be able to break through it very quickly. Right. Um, So, And that, to her, is part of what makes the experience comforting, I think, is knowing that if she does get stuck, she can come to me, and I'm going to be able to bust through it for her. It's part of what makes it um, uh, just creative and not... Um, threatening it is funny how just because of how long we've been playing games that we know how to put ourselves in the mindset of whatever game we're jumping into very quickly because i guess we pick up on all the context clues of how you should handle the environment you're in uh have either of you played limbo no nope so i had a employer who was like 25 years older than me who was trying to get into playing games for whatever reason so Limbo was on sale for like two bucks. So I said, oh, this game's amazing. Go grab it and try it. So he gets it and I'm watching him play it and he can't figure out how to get past the first like two minutes of the game, which is, you know, still like the introduction easy part. Yeah, like jumping and moving kind of stuff. Yeah, it's like a, there's a really simple puzzle in front of him. It's not nothing in Limbo is ever super obvious, but this is certainly meant to show you how the rest of the game is going to work. And he just couldn't figure it out, but I could do it instantly. I remember the first time I played it, it just was like connecting A to B. There was no problem at all. But I guess that's just because I've had an entire lifetime of playing video games now. Yeah, there's definitely a fluency there when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, two things that kind of occur to me with regard to that. One is I remember, and I'm sure I mentioned this before. Um, I remember the first time I played the Mario 64 demo at the Toys R Us kiosk back in the oh, 90s. Yeah. We I don't all know if you guys had that experience. That. Yeah, because that was the first time all of us got played a 3D game. At least it was for me. And my mind just like fucking exploded because I was like, oh God, what the hell is this? Oh shit, this is like this is like reality. VR is going to be right around the corner is what I felt like. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, Mar- I played 3D games before, but Mario 64 was just on its own level. Yeah, what it else still was 3D is. before that? Like Descent? There was uh, PlayStation games that existed a little bit before Nintendo 64 games, and some of them Star were 3D. Fox. Star Fox, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. 
So yeah, that that was a moment where I had to get over a big fluency hump to learn 3D games, but then I got that under my belt, and 3D games have been fine for me ever since. You know, the Nintendo 64 controller, so before I had an N64, my uncle had one. I had a cool uncle back then who would always buy all the video games because he was rich and all that stuff. Sweet. Now he's the crazy uncle, unfortunately. Oh, but well. Games. So Evil. <laughs> so he bought the N64 and he bought Mario 64. So the only thing I wanted to do was go to his house and play Mario 64. And so I had an adult first showing me how to play the game. And he showed me how he held the controller. And I thought this was how the Nintendo 64 controller was designed to be used. And I thought it was awful. So you know how you've got the directional pad on the left, the uh -huh. big joystick thing in the center, and the buttons on the right. <clears throat> I thought you were supposed to hold it with your fingers on the left side of where the directional pad is, and then you move your thumb all the way over to the top of the joystick. <laughs> and that is how I played Mario 64 for the first oh, like eight hours that I played it. <laughs> Until I realized, oh, you put your hand here in the middle. <laughs> Don't you need the, the trigger button uh, to do certain jumps in Mario yeah, 64? Yeah, that's what I thought too. Do you use like yeah, your middle finger to like do it or something? Shit was real fucking difficult. I don't know what the <laughs> hell I did. To do <laughs> fucking tapping it with his knee. <laughs> I I thought I loved that controller. I know that it's kind of, you know, <laughs> history. I think has judged N sixty four controller poorly, but I've always liked that controller. I thought that I was thought a cool it was design. Great. It was it was unique. You know, it was like it provided options, and then the Xbox kind of fixed it. <laughs> I, so I think when Goldeneye came out and Z was the trigger button, that, that was felt great, because that was yes. like a gun. Yeah, that was one of the cool things about that, is for shooters, having the trigger feel like a trigger. Yeah, and now it's the sort of normal thing that every game has. Eh, well, There's no button like that anymore. It's always on the top now. The Steam controller has buttons on the back, but no, the, no one uses that. On the Xbox, at least, it's the, the trigger's just in the same spot. But what are you talking about? You know, located accordingly. It's not on top. It's a trigger. <laughs> Look at a picture of the controller. Where's Jamie? Oh, I'm holding uh, the 361. <laughs> you guys in my are like hand trains right passing in the night right now. I know. <laughs> I mean, that's not the same. That's such on on top of it. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. No, that's yeah. not it's, the it's same. It's the same as button. The N64. It's located differently. I think what Taylor's saying is the thing that made it the N64 controller cool is the location of it, which yeah, no longer that's just exists. like if you're holding a gun. And that's why school shootings happen. Yes, Golden yeah. I trained. Goldeneye is Columbine. Donna, Donna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what we should things. try? Uh huh. Just to change gears completely here, almost. Do it. Do it, please. <laughs> um, we should have a night where the three of us, but also our wives, play some game online together, and it could uh -huh. be because my my wife loves board games, so there's got to be. I know there's stuff like that. Like I, I always see some video with Donkey where people like have to, you draw a subject, I guess, and you have to make a sales pitch with it, something like that. Okay. I don't know. That seems like it'd be fun. So there's a whole um, set of VR board games that exist. So like they have like you can play Settlers of Catan, um, chess, all sorts of shit with VR. That sounds cool. cool except I don't have one VR set, much less two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the same problem I have. 
Well, but yeah, I mean, if it's, if it's the kind of thing that we could do, like if we can sit in front of a switch and do it, or if we can sit in front of my computer and do it. But as soon as I asked my wife to put her hands on and, and learn controllers to play a new game, that's where I feel like that kind of experience might not happen. But I like the idea. I think, I think I just... Overcooked will do six people, if I remember correctly, online. Can it be two of them in the same location, though? Yeah. All right. We'll have to, like, you always say that's a good relationship. It's a relationship test, killer, right? Yeah, it'll it's a relationship killer more than anything. Because <laughs> it's like, bitch, get over there and do the dishes. And she's like, no, you fucking asshole. You need to like get over there and pick up the plates. <laughs> and then everything just goes into chaos and the whole kitchen explodes. It's a communications game, which is, which is a lovely thing to gamify. It's really funny, though, because like if I anytime I watch like my wife and her brother play, they like play it silently and do it so much better than she and I do. <laughs> really <laughs> <weird>. sibling connection. <laughs> it's so weird. That is weird. I just had a flashback to my wife trying VR. You know, your VR is not hard to pick up. It's really intuitive because it's it's your you're in it. So yeah. she might pick it up pretty quickly if she tries it, Greg. Yeah, depends on the game. I mean, I, like the game I was just playing is not the most user friendly game, but the racing uh, game, the pro- yeah, the Project Cars too, because it's sim, right? So it's meant to be like real, so <laughs> it's not like an arcade yeah. thing. Right. But there's so a like lot of VR games that are now. very intuitive. Yeah, Beat Saber, uh, Super Hot, um, Job Simulator. Any game like Job Simulator or Beat Saber, uh, your wife would love, I'm sure, or most women love, I assume. Yeah. They're kind of fucked if they use my VR headset. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't see my wife into something like that. Um, you know, I can't speak for everyone, but I think that super gamey experiences don't really appeal to to my wife. I feel like the stuff that she wants to do is kind of like feel like she's maybe interacting with a movie or something cool. Like, like I brought up the example of Grease, which is a very beautiful game, great music, and it really carries you through a feeling and an experience. And Guild Wars, which is which she. When the original thing she said to me is it's, it's like being in Lord of the Rings. Um, well, there's tons I, of uh, <clears throat> VR movie games. Really? Like what? Yeah. I can't. I know there's... Uh, there I was one the that I downloaded recently. I know recently. Yeah, PlayStation it's like a, 4, though. It's like an experience. Um, Actually, that's what most of them are because that's how the platform kind of built. Yeah. You couldn't really have a lot of control and interactions, so you just had experiences. But... Nice. You're, what you're missing since you haven't tried VR is it's just cool. You put on sure. that headset and then you're used to, in real life, when you turn your head left, everything's out of view. But when you have a headset on, you turn your head left and there's just more of the world that you can look at exactly as if it's in real life. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's one, um, the one that I have called Chroma Lab. Have you guys heard about this? Nope. Mm-mm. Do you guys know what Team Lab is? No. Well, this is gonna be a fucking waste of time to explain this. Then, anyway, um, <laughs> you know those like ex- those like museum experiences that like people like hot chicks on Instagram take pictures of themselves at. Oh sure. Yeah, so it's basically like a VR like art installation, huh. and you just interact with the environment. It's not like a game; you Sounds just cool. kind of interact. Yeah, it's called Chroma Lab. It's really it's it's pretty cool. There's also a uh, Google draw where you can draw things in 3d. Mm-hmm. Like you basically you're sculpting with drawing, I guess is the best way to describe it. Yeah. So there's tons of non game VR stuff that is just very interesting. It's a very exploratory platform. Yeah. So what is it is about us 
that makes us want to do shit like log in nights and play Quake and talk about video games on a podcast, but makes our wives only want to engage with games at, at, at a different kind of level. Like are our, our, our wives an underserved audience when it comes to games or did did people like us just make games for people like us? I, I think that it depends on the game. So, yeah. and, and like, let's, one of the games that, that Allison's really into is Stardew Valley, right? Um, I'm not a fan of the game personally, but it's, uh, it's a, oh, but it's know, so like, cute. It's really cute, <laughs> but it's like very much like a sort of like, you, you almost are creating this little like community in a sense. And if you think about like the hooks for video games, right, on a psychological aspect, a lot of it actually like really ties back to that hunter gatherer mentality. And so games are like these quick sort of like dopamine rushes, right? So you end up like doing an action or trying for an action, you get a reward. You do you you try for this action and then you get a reward. And that's sort of like how it is. There's story components, et cetera, et cetera. But the main mechanic of a game is that. That to me appears uh, sorry appeals more to the psychological side of a hunter right uh-huh. whereas women are it, it's just a different sort of biological wiring which is why i think that like and and this isn't to say that like games don't appeal to women because there's tons of women that play games right like you had someone on the, sh- the podcast who was like huge gamer and there's tons of people online some of them may be dudes pretending to be women yeah. but whatever it's still yeah but her hook was obviously <laughs> but, uh... different <laughs> yeah. But her hook that you're talking about Miranda Riley, who I'd interviewed a few yeah. weeks ago, and she's a leader of a, a big social guild in, in Guild Wars 2. Um, I actually tried talking to her a little bit in that podcast about how she felt um, certain updates were impacting the game from a design perspective. And she was just like, eh, you know, it's like did she didn't really care for her. The game was about the social part of it. Yep. And uh, we'll just. Thinking about how my wife talks to her friends, I mean, every they end all their phone calls with "love you," which I don't say that to any of my male friends. I don't say, "All right, I love you so much, man. I'll talk to you later." I love you, Taylor. I love you so Fuck much, off. man. <laughs> but so, given that attitude, I don't think my wife wants to say "love you so much." I'll talk to you later. Time to go murder everyone and quake. <laughs> but what if you were so. shooting a paint gun? And making that beautiful designs. Be I don't know. That I'll have to see if I can find that game for her to try one day. But if my wife can't handle Mario Kart, she's certainly not <laughs> handling a first-person shooter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, I just great. Image. It's interesting though because even like if you look at esports, it's the same. It, it's it's also very true. Like you don't see a lot of female esports players. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's some like they, there is a there's a decent amount out there, but in this comparatively, it's not even the same at all. I'm actually I found this site that's looking at the earnings and get this shit. This is like totally similar to what sports are like too. But the number one um, female esports player makes three hundred fifty uh, three hundred fifty seven thousand dollars a year off mm-hmm. of playing StarCraft two, right? Um, from an overall player, the highest male makes six point eight million dollars. Fuck. So there's times. a big there's big someone difference. making seven million dollars playing video games. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's tons of people that are competitive video Why games. Am I that, not does, that doesn't include Twitch revenues from you're not, dudes you're like not Ninja, enough, dudes like Shroud, right? I think that the big yeah. money for gamers now is not so much in competition, but in streaming. 
these days. Yeah, streaming makes a lot, and they get a lot of like sponsorship deals. And there was a, a, a Reddit article I can see if I can find it somewhere that this oh, guy so your seven million is not winning tournaments. No, that is tournaments that I'm. Oh, but interestingly, dudes, talking about the Twitch tie-in, who dominates Twitch? Women. Women. Yeah. It's not a competitive focused platform, although there is competition there. It's a more social platform, which opens yeah, up chatting. the door to women, especially yeah, like well-endowed ones. Which is crazy, because if you look at the categories, so I'm looking at the categories on Twitch right now, the top categories, the just chatting category has 126,000 viewers right now. Yeah, one it's always one of the top. Every time I see it. Yeah, it's always the top one. And then the second highest after that is League of Legends at 96,000 viewers. So if there's like a big difference there. To so. just chatting, how many of the thumbnails are women with cleavage? Um, actually not many right now. There's, a, there's like one, two, three, hmm. four, four, five. Yeah. But I'm scrolling. Okay. So a fair amount. Showing their personality. But no, no, normally there's a lot more. Yes. But not right now. It doesn't seem. Yeah. But I mean, not to paint a misogynistic picture. Um, I think there, there's a reason why, why to your point, Matt, there aren't a lot of women in competition, but there are more on a more socially focused platform like this. Um, I don't know. Like I, part of me feels like it's all part of this continuum that that we have been living in, or we're somebody's fortunate to have lived in, where we were here for the early days of gaming, um, the early days of console gaming, and we got to live through the transition from that period, where games were really abstracted for the average person, and you had to be a real nerd to get into video games, or a kid who didn't know any better, right? Which we all started off as, and the hobby has blown up to the point where. You don't have to have twitchy reflexes. You don't have to be able to time jumps to enjoy something in a video game. Yeah, no, that's very true. And like some people just like even on the just chatting thing, some people are just playing. Well, they're just chatting on those. But like a lot of the 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 female gamers on there um, are playing things like Hearthstone and just sort of talking to people, like right. sort of playing it like passively. Right. Right. Yeah. The game isn't really the content. It's just kind of the <clears throat> backdrop exactly exactly and there's nothing wrong with that it's just different but the thing is is like so many games inherently are designed in a different way not to emphasize the social aspects at all um some do some have that component but most of them are that like competitive like sort of dopamine fix which is also if you think about like games like the sims right that was another one that tended to feel that was a big outlier and the very popular one it was, and it, and it appealed a ton to, to female players. So, Do games like Journey appeal to female players? I've never played it. I have, I've played the demo. I never I needed to come out on PC. It. I don't know why. I don't think it's ever going to come to PC. But, I'll emulate it uh, in a future time. <laughs> it's supposed to be one of the greatest multiplayer games ever created because you can't really communicate with the people who show up in your game and people show up in your game randomly. So mm-hmm. it's like you build this quick connection that is extremely temporary and there's something about it that makes it just a really good, friendly experience with someone that you can't speak to. That was the whole draw of it from what I remember. Interesting. Yeah, and unlike a game like Dark Souls where where randoms intruding on your game are there to screw you over. In Journey, they're right. there to help you along, right? Yeah, you're there to help each other. There's no, you can't harm each other, I don't think. It's impossible to do. And, you know, compared to like more traditional MMOs like WoW or EverQuest, Guild Wars 2, 
which is not that new even, not that new now, but um, at the time we played it, um, did a lot to soften some of the competitive edges around these games. For example, there's no competition over mining nodes. You go to a map, everybody gets their own mining node. You don't have to compete over it. Um, there's no mob tagging competition. Anyone who hits a mob gets looped. There's no loot competition. It's all personal loot. It's not like there's mm -hmm. one drop that everyone has to roll off of. Um, like Borderlands. Sure. And there are just all these ways that that companies that make games like these, I think, are going to games and being like, well, we know what works for this small sect of extremely nerdy men. How can we make people who aren't them like games too? And it's uh, actually, and this is just really masturbatory, I, almost, I apologize, but it all goes in this direction in my mind, which is, is games, I think, in a way, the word game does the hobby a disservice. Because a game like Journey, there's not a lot going on in it mechanically, I don't think. I haven't played it, I could be wrong. Um, but there are a lot of things that experiences get that get delivered under the title of game that are not very gamey. And the less gamey gaming becomes, the more it opens up to casual players and people who don't care about fast reflexes and competition and high achievement like us nerdy bros. Right. Well, even myself, <clears throat> I, I don't know. I mean, I, I notice we keep always coming back to the same games that we described. You have Gavorce too, and now I'll go into Dishonored. So with Dishonored, <laughs> what you got. It's all good. You can you can choose your approach, and the the way they design their levels is it's kind of a puzzle in itself. It's all these different pathways to get to different places to figure out different ways to solve the same objectives. So you can do the kill quick and murder everything route. Or you can do the way I like to play, which is you try to stay as hidden as you can and not ever be detected. And <clears throat> the second way, the stealth way that I like to play, makes every level take like four hours to complete. Jesus. Whereas if you want to kill everyone, you can just blast through it in a matter of minutes. So just simply designing your game to be open-ended enough to choose how you want to approach it can I guess redefine what the word game means in some way? I don't know where I was going with this. It just sounded like <laughs> something that related. <laughs> yeah, there are all kinds of ways to soften up the mechanics, and one of them is just to make multiple mechanics valid. Yeah, I yeah, I can see that. Which is why yeah. I think MMOs MMOs have done a pretty good job of that. I think also like Mario Odyssey is another one that Allison really liked a lot too. Where if like that game in particular also I think did a good job at appealing to like multiple game types because of all the mini games they had introduced. Uh huh. Um, like you had you know the shit that like I like where I am just a complete masochist when I play any sort of game like that. Playing the um, Luigi's Balloon game, right? And that shit was just like my my jam. Whereas she just wanted to just go collect stars, which is totally cool too. Just exploratory <laughs> stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know what? Remember you in, uh, I remember in college, not when I was in college, some other people were in college. There was a boyfriend and girlfriend couple that I knew, and the girlfriend loved to just watch her boyfriend play through the Final Fantasy games on her behalf because she just wanted the story. She didn't want to do all the battling and strategy part. She just wanted the narrative, and so she would just watch him play. Do you ever watch uh, girlfriend reviews on YouTube? I've what a great channel. 
Oh my yeah, god, it's those really, videos are no, so it's, good. It's so funny. So the the concept for those Taylor, you haven't heard of it, but for anybody else, it's like this this woman. She basically watches her boyfriend play games through. And the whole concept is like reviewing what it's like to be a person spectating the game as opposed to playing the game. <laughs> and it's pretty funny. Like and the editing's really good on it. And the, the writing's really good. Yeah, yeah. The writing's really good. It's a, I'm a Patreon subscriber. I like it so much. So I'll have to check that out. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, you'd like it, Taylor. Yeah, they did a, a Q&A recently that I watched at the end of the year. Yeah, um, they revealed themselves. Yeah, which was a they had, they hadn't shown their faces yet, and I was surprised at how young they were. But yeah, they I um, I one of the things that that was I was curious about in that watching that channel is like, is this like the dude running things behind the scene, and he has like a voice actress who he pays to read the scripts, <laughs> yeah. or is this really a couple? <laughs> and it was really a couple, or at least a very convincing looking one. So yeah, because they explained the whole joke about like how they got started. I can't remember how, but there was some something behind it so yeah it, it was that's a very cool collaborative looking effort it made me want to go play games with my wife when i saw it i can start a youtube channel called the raging wife where we play games and she just gets fucking mad at all of them i would i would pay for that i would definitely be a patreon <laughs> subscriber for that how much would you pay uh i'd probably do 50 a month what do you think matt fuck i'll I take have, it yeah maybe maybe 25 uh, but you know, uh, I bet there's now more. What is the term still? Girl gamer is that still a thing? There's now more females playing games. I don't want to say girl gamer. I hate that than ever before. Probably just because of iPhones. Yeah, I know my wife loved Words with Friends. She used to play that nonstop. Yeah, and this is a bias. Died out though. I think this is a bias that, that the three of us have, and maybe the communities that we represent, where we kind of. Sometimes I have a hard time looking at phone games and thinking of them as real games. Do you guys have that bias too? Oh, I think they're all about making as much money as possible while offering as little experience as possible. <laughs> I, I play a decent amount of fun games. I mean, like, I it, it it depends on the game, right? I like my guilty pleasure is Dots. Have you guys ever played Dots before? No. Oh, it rings a bell. Uh, it's a very I can't think of it. Simple though. game where you have these dots and you connect colors of dots and. You try and score big on it, essentially. But like, I, I like fun games because, like, you know, if you, I sit on planes a lot, so like, if you're on a plane, it's a great thing to just pass the time, right? Because um, I can't just bring like a PC and a monitor with me. <laughs> Backpack. Where's the, the Ethernet plug? Yeah, where's the Ethernet? This Wi-Fi sucks. <laughs> <laughs> My Insta give is hitting five seconds later. No, I remember being impressed when. When did they come out? 2007. So I guess between like, I got a phone in 2009 for the first time. So between 2009 and 2011, when iPads came out, I remember being kind of impressed with all the new type of stuff you would see with games on phones. Like there was a cut the rope. Yeah. Did you guys play that? I remember that. And Earlier. when they released uh Fruit super Ninja. monkey ball on iPhone, I felt like it was a great port. Like it, it felt like it should have been a part of that originally. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one where you move the ball around by tilting the phone, right? exactly did you say fruit ninja that was a yeah. good one as well fruit ninja is now an arcade game a lot of these are arcade games now which is so strange to me yeah i could see the, the switch over yeah doodle jump classic flappy bird <laughs> flap angry birds angry bird was a phenomenon actually i'm gonna let me pull up my phone i i never delete any of the games off angry birds and is so the first I'm, game uh... i played with my wife we used to 
sit in our Lugano apartment in Switzerland and uh, play Angry Birds together. Did Angry actually... Birds do anything unique, or was it just good marketing? It was it was physics based, which was I think yeah, kind of cool. Um, did it do anything else unique? I don't I don't remember it being very heavily monetized for a phone game, at least the earlier incarnations. No, it, it eventually became so. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm looking at my games folder right now on my phone, and uh, when you think about some of the really good mobile games, so Hearthstone actually is a great mo- mobile port. I feel I've heard that. A part um, of that I've heard also with Hearthstone is that they actually monetize it in a way that is friendly for casual yep. gamers, unlike what so many other monetization-heavy oh. games do, where they exclusively target whales with their monetization scheme. Yeah, it's not predatory in that same. same you know what the best mobile game that was ever created was, and you can't get it anymore now? Hmm. Robot Unicorn Attack. I never played that. Oh, that my sounds God. like a game you'd love. Just the Dude, title. that game. So what made that game successful is they it looped... Oh, what is the song? I got to look it up now. I can't remember. But there was a, like a, an 80s song that it just loops endlessly. And you're a fucking unicorn with wavy rainbow hair. And it's an endless sign scroller. So it's it's a fun enough game in itself. But just this music playing makes it so ridiculous and amazing. But I'm guessing they lost the rights to the song because now you can't get that version anymore. And you know, playing it without game. it. Another great mobile game. Good was uh pokemon go yeah now that i have a like phenomenon. a there's a lot of people still playing it too is it still popular oh yeah especially in in asia like i was in japan li- literally every person had their phone open like and i would say 90 percent of the people that had their phone open were playing pokemon interesting blew my mind huh. and this was not that long ago so i feel like it's i mean i, I don't know i mean at, at the time when pokemon go came out i was working at a company where i worked with a lot of other software engineers and they were obsessed with it and then shortly I after I moved over to a company where I was working mostly with lawyers who didn't even know what phones were. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, can you fax it and send it via courier? Send yeah. it to my Blackberry. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 So it could be either that I moved out of that demographic and, and seeing it less, but uh, I, I don't know. I never really got the appeal beyond the initial gimmick of, oh, it's AR. That's pretty cool. Yeah, even the AR component, like most people turn that to save battery, including myself. But I played it for a decent amount when I was traveling a lot because I would get all these like freaking Pokemon that you couldn't get in North America. Yeah, if you're traveling a lot, I imagine that there's a, a pretty cool incentive. Like if you already enjoy traveling and then like like an excuse to get out and about. Yeah, like I an remember urban explorer. My coworker and I went to get lunch somewhere, and then we're on our way back to the office, and suddenly he pulls off the road into a random church parking lot, and we're just sitting there. And I'm like, hey, what are we doing? <laughs> and then he goes, there's a wee bat around here. And so we're just, I'm sitting here waiting for him to catch some fucking Pokemon so that we can then go back to the office and eat our lunch. Oh, <laughs> my God. They should make it so that you're not allowed to be in a car when you play that game somehow i don't know how they would do that but i, I, I feel like it, it it's not only dangerous but it's got to be against the spirit of it you know i do remember how big of a hit that game was though just yeah. everywhere if you saw if you saw a group of people walking with their phones out you knew what they were doing yeah yeah it makes you wonder what the, what the people who actually made all the money off of that game are doing with that money yeah and the timing well it's niantic right they came out yeah. with the harry potter game too i think if I remember. oh that. is that what they're doing okay no it's already it's already out it was very similar and their first game, um, 
what was the one that, that came before Pokemon Go that gave way to it? It was like there. It was a game that was like Niantic also developed. Um, fuck, I had a bunch of friends that played it a lot too. It was another one of those like location based games. I'm looking up it on their site right now. Anyways, th- it was like that sort of paved the way for Pokemon. So Ingress. Oh yeah, Ingress. That was a, a Google, a weird Google thing that they did. Yep. And I mean, it, it, Pokemon was also a weird Google thing that they did too. Yeah, but so it was it's Pokemon. Like, I mean, I think Ingress probably, was hard to even understand what it was about. Yeah. I remember reading an article about it and being like, "What? <laughs> I don't." Okay. I had a bunch of friends that played it. I never played it personally, but. So bringing it back to the the title, uh, is is Pokemon Go a game that was particularly appealing to? the non-traditional gaming crowd was it a couple's game was it a game for women absolutely it was fucking massive so i'm sure yeah. it was absolutely okay because everyone game i knew who played it had a some relationships okay. i killed everything yeah man <laughs> i said I th- i'm sure that game built relationships because you're it gets you out there in the world meeting other people i remember seeing videos on youtube of guys walking around and seeing anyone with their phone out and saying hey are you playing pokemon go yeah. And they would say, yeah. And you just gather a group of people playing Pokemon Go out in public randomly. And then so they'd sure. be like, you team yellow, bro? And they'd be like, no, we're team blue. And then and they, they fight. fight. <laughs> <laughs> but and I'm sure to... there's at least one man and woman who are now in a relationship because of Pokemon Go. I don't know. I mean, I hate, I hate to be devil's advocate here, but I kind of think that's kind of a low bar to set for, for a game. Um, that the experience you're describing of it being a hit and a bunch of people coming together over it and it just being this real phenomenon for a while. I think that happens with any popular multiplayer game, traditional or not. That's not in the same way though. What I'm saying is Pokemon go gets people out in public face to face. And that's how a relationship between a new couple could be formed. Multiplayer games online. I mean, that's how we all met, but the three of I've met you face to face once over a decade ago i've never met matt face to face before he ditched me like i had a chance and i threw it away because fuck him too expensive (laughs) no we were actually in the same city yeah i haven't met matt either and we've been in the same city a few times i I was here from matt oh yeah i was in seattle last weekend like what what you were where (laughs) (laughs) i'm you know i live i live like everything is planned a minute ahead Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Well, boys, have we plumbed the depths on Valentine's Day couples gaming? Sort of. I'm trying, I'm thinking of just all the other types of games I can try to get my wife into. Like, Matt, did you ever get your wife to play Abzu? Uh, no, she never played it. That's a game that just seems like it could be welcoming to anyone because there's not, there's not a challenge. It's just kind of a story game. One of the angles that, that my wife actually turned me on to with games I never thought about because um, she brought it up to me once and uh, I was like, oh, well, why why would you be interested in getting back into gaming? I thought you were kind of done with it. And she said, oh, well, um, I, I don't do a lot of things that really challenge the left part of my brain and I want to make sure that I'm fighting Alzheimer's. I was like, oh, shit. Um, yeah, okay. That kind of makes sense. You know, the way people do crossword puzzles to keep their minds in shape as they get older? Oh, yeah. I guess games, in a way, are, are are easily primed to take the place of, you know, Sally, know good for Mary hand Sue. Hand-eye coordination. Hand-eye coordination. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's better than doing crossword puzzles, because words are good to know. 
but there is something there about um, continually engaging in something that challenges you that I think maybe without games, people can get can get into a part uh, up to a point in their lives where they don't have anything like that. It's also I think there's a lesson of just perseverance that you can learn uniquely through video games because so, I mean you're you're meant to approach something over and over and die a lot until you finally figure out how to do it. You can't necessarily die a lot in real life, but it just teaches the lesson that if you work at it, you can reach your goal. You can do it. Yeah. Uh, like Sekiro. I've lost my fucking mind playing that game a lot, <laughs> but I always overcome the challenge eventually. One of the ways that I have heard games be framed is as essentially mostly closed systems that reward the successful use of a, of a skill or some skills. And that you can kind of value, it, there's a way of valuing games um, based on how well the skills you learn in, in, in how well the skills you apply in a game apply towards other games. And furthermore, I've, I've heard it proposed that you can almost envision your life as reality, the day-to-day -day process of struggling through being a person as a series of games. So yeah, you become basically a problem. It helps you solve complex problems in your daily. Exactly. So if you do all that and you look at games as you, you see life as a series of games and games as just ways to um, use skills, it kind of makes sense. That whole Alzheimer's thing. I feel like you have to, and uh, I don't know exactly. I don't have the, I haven't done all the research and I, I certainly I'm not familiar enough with this principle to speak to it in depth, but that basic idea seems to resonate with me because I've always felt that when I've had meaningful experiences with games, there's almost always been something that I could take with me into the rest of my life um, or vice versa. And um, the times when I, when I feel like things I do in games are just kind of like, like, like jerking off, in terms of mm -hmm. meaning, like they don't actually get me anywhere. They're just distraction or indulgence. I, I tend to come away like just feeling unfulfilled, unsatisfied. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the problem I run into a lot is feeling like I've just wasted a bunch of my time. And that's what can be more fun about multiplayer over single player is if I'm playing a game with you guys all night and we just have a fun conversation where there's lots of laughs. Yeah. At least I have that. If I'm playing single player and I don't even like get anywhere in the game, then it's, it's me. It's not. It's an experience that kind of went into the trash. Like it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. It didn't yeah, lead to that's anything. Like, Two hours of my evening that I basically threw away. I didn't get joy out of it. I didn't get progression out of it. I didn't get a memory out of it. It was just wasted time. Yeah, and that that idea is why I started the whole idea of the podcast because I, I can't help it. I'm going to play games. Like I don't know what force in the world it would take for me to not play them. But um, So I figured I, I might as well try to make them more rewarding. And what I ended up arriving at after you and I, Taylor, had that one conversation back last summer we were thinking about doing that other YouTube project and I finally realized, Oh yeah, talking could be a thing. Talking is in a podcast. Oh, wow. A lot of people um, make money off of it. Yeah. And make uh, energy. We are not those people. <laughs> this is true. This is true. But for me, the point of it isn't to make money. It's to make meaning. 
Yeah, and I have fun doing this. This feels meaningful. I don't feel like it's a waste. And yeah. I've gotten, even though it's it's taken more work, I've had the most rewarding, most of the most rewarding gaming experiences in my life in the last like six weeks. Hell yeah. Even more rewarding than running a top TFC clan. <laughs> You know, those were rewarding too, but I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Yeah, it was also like more towards a common goal back then. It was different, right? It was was completely different like objectives associated with it. This is more exploratory, right? Than anything. Yeah. You know what'll feel good about this? Um, I've kind of decided in terms of just like career or work, my life's goal is to just have a body of work that I can look back on and feel good about. So like Matt can get this with all of the photos that we take. What I do on Lightroom now is Lightroom's purpose. Lightroom is a photo editing application. Lightroom's purpose for me is basically just the highlight reel of all my favorite photos. So it's really nice to just go into these folders and immediately see all of what I think are my best pictures. So as we do more and more of these, you'll be able to look back and see a collection of podcasts that you've got under your belt. And it's just going to feel good to see that number grow, I bet. Yeah, it does feel good. And the coolest thing about it, I think, is almost not even the podcasts themselves. It's the connections that I make because I'm doing the podcasts. It's the, the work that I do because of the podcasts, like uh, the experiences I have in order to make the podcast work. Um and I kind of knew that would be the case going into it, but it's been much more so than even I expected. It's been really fun. That's why I make myself have... do it once a week. What you should do is uh, get your wife on here sometime. Talk to her about that. That might happen. Might not. I was thinking we should have, this would have been a good one to have all three of our wives on. Because then, you know, we're doing like the Republican Congress thing. We're deciding all of the women reproduction <laughs> things without hearing from women. We're having a podcast about Couples gaming without any female perspectives on here. Well, maybe it's if true. we get it wrong enough, they'll want to come on and correct us. <laughs> what do you guys think? There's also no, there's no women in the Discord either. Yeah, I thought about that. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I want to handle that. You can invite I, I, uh, cheesy. Yeah, I mean, if if she'd be down, I'd, I'm fine with that. You, you, you oh, guys I know how I feel. Anyone that that could contribute to it, I'd be happy to have be a part of it. I, I definitely don't care about. Gender lines. She's a really cool fact. person. She's a really cool person. In fact, I purposely named the relationships channel that instead of wives and girlfriends, which was much catchier, which is what I wanted to do yeah. originally. She's playing EverQuest right now. Interesting. Wow. That's a throw. She has a VR headset. Yeah, we should get Cheesy in. She shared the podcast with her. Maybe she'll want to talk to us about how dumb we are. One can hope. I can't imagine what it was like to be cheesy back when we were all teenagers playing i would love that perspective holy shit have you there's a picture of her in a bikini that somehow got out cheesy when we were younger was based on this picture super damn hot so i can't imagine how many guys were messaging her every day after seeing that photo and trying to be like hey can i see your boobs just a hot dog yeah knowing how we were when we were younger i guarantee pretended to be a dude on the internet <laughs> safer and than I pretending a dude if i had to talk on like ventrilo i would have just said oh i'm not i haven't gone through pre-puberty yet or something i don't know <laughs> i remember coaching my wife on this back when she was first getting into guild wars because she she had she knew nothing about gaming culture on the internet and i had to explain to her 
you can't tell every stranger you meet that you're a woman and where you live. <laughs> yeah, because that's a recipe for disaster. Like, you can't. You have to assume every single person you meet is a creepy dude with knives living in his parents' basement who's too, who's lonely. Like, I live you at have this address. I'm usually home from this time to this time, and I sleep <laughs> by myself. I exit through the front door at 4 p.m. Yeah, exactly. Sounds just like my wife. Yeah. You know, one last uh, thing I can think of to add to this is part of why I want to get my wife into video games is I know that my son will be into video games at some point. And uh -huh. I know as a kid, I always wished I could have played video games with my parents. Me too, man. And my playing with my dad, he wasn't good. And if my dad's not good at something, he just throws a fucking fit. It doesn't try because losing feels bad. So <clears throat> there was that. And then there was mom who just wouldn't play them. So I know I'll play them with him. But for us to be a whole family playing games together, that would be fun. Yeah, that's legit. And you're the only one in this conversation with the kid angle. Yes. So I just I don't think it'll be a good relationship builder as he gets older. If she were, it doesn't have to be good at video games, but participatory in them. Yeah. So yeah. um, what if your boy ends up liking ballet? You're going to participate in that? I guess so. I mean, I won't participate. Well, I don't know. You got to get a tutu. That'd be funny as shit. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, let's, sure. let's, let's call it on that image. Taylor. And Taylor. <laughs> Gents, this has been a fun conversation. Happy Valentine's Day. And let's plan to do this again next Valentine's Day, huh? Hell yeah. Good boy, right. Valentine's Day 2021. Let's, let's outro. Um, I'm Greg, a.k.a. Deke. This is fun. You guys turn. You go ahead, Matt. I'm Matthew Devincenzi. This was dope. Keep I'm Taylor. I hyphen have hyphen worse hyphen than hyphen bad hyphen luck. Howsworth. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Happy basement. Bye bye.